Coming to you from the ugliest building in the Gulch, it's the Nashville Scenecast. I'm scene editor D. Patrick Rogers. If you like us, subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, TuneIn, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Rate us and leave comments. We'd love to hear your feedback. Thanks to Jeff the Brotherhood for providing our intro music, Diamond Way, from the album We Are the Champions. And thanks to scene intern Jason Saita, who cuts together all of our episodes. Today's scenecast is brought to you by It's All Your Fault, a new podcast from the scene about the Nashville Predators. The show features David Beauclair and Megan Sealing talking about all things Preds. Beauclair has covered the team for two decades, which gives him as much perspective on the franchise as anyone in Nashville. Sealing was a Predators fan before even moving to Nashville five years ago, keeps a small shrine for Victor Arvidsson, and is personal friends with Peter Laviolette's turtle. That last bit may or may not be true. With one insider and one outsider and a range of guests, they'll follow the team's quest to return to the Stanley Cup Finals. You can subscribe to It's All Your Fault on iTunes, Stitcher, or TuneIn today. I'm scene editor D. Patrick Rogers. Before we dive into the scene cast, I wanted to talk for a minute about this week's scene cover story, the cannabis issue. In this issue, we have a look at the state's long and complicated relationship with cannabis, both industrial hemp, which can legally be grown by licensed farmers as part of a state pilot program, and marijuana, the use of which is still illegal both for medical and recreational purposes. In the issue, we meet Arlie Wolf, a three-year-old leukemia patient whose parents say hemp extracts containing the non-psychoactive cannabis compound CBD are helping ease her pain. We also talk to Will Tarleton, a licensed Middle Tennessee industrial hemp farmer whose crops can be used to produce everything from hemp extracts like the one Arlie takes to textiles and livestock feed. We have a look at the statistics around marijuana arrests, which vastly outpace those related to more dangerous drugs, and examine just how many Tennesseans support marijuana decriminalization. We also talk to a seemingly unlikely medical marijuana supporter, Republican State House Speaker Beth Harwell, and we examine the likelihood of medical marijuana's passage in the state. Pick up a copy of this week's scene now, or find us online at nashvillescene.com. All right, this weekend is the 90th annual Academy Awards Ceremony, and here joining me today to talk about the nominees are In Focus editor Nancy Floyd. Hello. Nashville Scene and Nashville Post staffer Stephen Elliott. Hello. And live via satellite, Nashville Scene staffer Stephen Hale. Hi there. Hey, it sounds like you're right in the room with us. So what we wanted to do, we just kind of wanted to run through uh, eight of the major categories for this year's Oscars and see what everybody's pick is and see what's the favorite. Um, we kind of, we'll skip some of the technical categories, but where I wanted to start was with original screenplay. Uh, the nominees this year for Best Original Screenplay are Emily Gordon and Kumail Nanjiani for The Big Sick, Jordan Peele for Get Out, Greta Gerwig for Lady Bird, Guillermo del Toro and Vanessa Taylor for The Shape of Water, and Martin McDonough for Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Don't say it with any more distance. Uh, well, we have plenty of time to talk about how bad that film is. <laughs> but from, from the outside, what do you guys like for, uh, for Best Original? Well, I wonder if, um, you know, Martin McDonough got his, his start. He's really known as a playwright, and I mm -hmm. think um, a lot of people who pick these things, they might think, oh, he's a playwright, so obviously he wrote the best screenplay. Even though we may not agree that it's the best screenplay, I think that's like an easy connection for some people to make. It's true. I mean, I'll, another thing you have here, you have a lot of first timers. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, Jordan Peele is also up for director. Uh, Greta Gerwig also up for director. Um, and But The Big Sick, this is the only nomination it's got out of any of the categories, so that it's also got that going for it. Um, and it was a great screenplay. I would agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. And it's even a great story about a screenplay. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Hale, what's your pick? What are you thinking? Um, yeah, I was just saying I, I'd like I'd love to see the big sick win because it I just so that it gets recognized um, in some way. I mean, I, I think Get Out and Lady Bird will hopefully get recognitions elsewhere. Um, it wouldn't shock me to see Greta Gerwig. Uh, or Jordan Peele win this though, just because um, I mean both of those are deserving and and they seem to have some momentum behind them. And if, even if they're not getting votes for some of the bigger categories, I could see them winning here. But um, I mean, this is I feel like this might be one of the stronger categories 
uh, there is. Well, in this category, um, feels like it could go anyway. Some of them mm-hmm. seem like we all know pretty who's going to. Yeah, mm-hmm. we know who's going to win, but. I mean, and I wouldn't be terribly surprised to see Shape of Water win this category, but right. I also wouldn't be shocked to see any of them take it home. Yeah, this one's kind of anyone's guess. Of course, the the Vegas odds makers and 538 and all the experts put it with uh, Shape of Water mm-hmm. just because that's kind of the favorite for everything. Um, but I think that if any if anybody kind of has a shot at snatching this one uh, or at snatching uh, sort of a, a dark horse this will be the category, um, which brings us to adapted screenplay, um, which is also a pretty interesting field. And there's a couple here that are the only nominees that any of these pictures have gotten. Best adapted screenplay, your nominees are James Ivory for Call Me By Your Name, Scott Neustadter and Michael H. Weber for The Disaster Artist, um, Scott Frank and James Mangold and Michael Green for Logan, Aaron Sorkin for Molly's Game, and D. Reese for Mudbound. So that one's kind of all over the place, and you're seeing a lot there that isn't up for anything else, namely uh, Disaster Artist, Molly's Game, and Logan, I don't think are nominated in any other major categories. So, Well, and we have a Nashville native nominated we in this do category, indeed. so that's exciting. Who would that be, Nancy? That would be Dee Rees for Mudbound. That's right. And I think Aaron Sorkin is wonderful all the time, so I haven't even seen Molly's Game yet, but I'm like, <laughs> just give Aaron Sorkin awards. I love him. But. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Were you a fan of Newsroom, though? I was a fan of newsroom. You were a fan of yeah. newsroom. I think it took yeah. a turn there yeah. toward the end. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it did. It took a little turn. Um, I, I think we have one person on the line here who might like West Wing just a little bit. <laughs> just a little <laughs> I, I am a I am an obnoxious West Wing fan. Um, although Aaron Sorkin, for me, is like um, his. I don't. I I kind of treat his work sort of like a family member. Like I feel deeply for it, but I'm. It's. I don't need it to win awards and things. I'm not. I don't feel compelled to defend it to people when they complain about it. I just. I just like it. I liked the newsroom fine. I didn't think it was as good as other stuff. Um, I think the Social Network is probably like his. Probably the best thing he'll be a part of. What about the um, American president? Oh, I love course. the American president <laughs> deeply, but it's so great. That's, but uh, you know. Uh, so yeah, I, I love. I love Aaron Sorkin. I, I mean, I would love to see D. Reese and Virgil Williams win this just because I, I I loved mud down a lot. I am very interested um, with Logan being nominated just because so uh, we're all, well, maybe not all of us, but a lot of us who see movies and talk about movies are always complaining about how everything is a superhero movie and they're all sort of the same, even if they're relatively good, they're just all sort of the same. And Logan was sort of a unique superhero movie. And the fact that it actually broke in to get some nominations is, you know, brings, to mind like the dark knight uh as another superhero movie that was able to cross into awards considerations so it'd be it's interesting to see that get some recognition and possibly encourage more interesting comic book fare if that's what we're going to be getting for years to come it's true um i like to try and think of the oscars sometimes as like um well maybe if this wins it will in- <laughs> it will it, it will mean that more movies like this have a shot at getting made in the future so sometimes i end up rooting for just that yeah um that of course cuts but both yeah. ways, as we've seen. True. Yeah. Um, and speaking <laughs> speaking of Logan, if you want to see uh, uh, an interesting uh, Twitter feed, go to writer director James Mangold. Uh, he likes to take on critics of his films, no matter how big or small. Sometimes. <laughs> nice. Um, and now, Stephen Elliott, I know you're uh, you're a fan of Call Me by Your Name, right? And yeah. that one's that one's got a got a shot in this category. Yeah, I don't I don't know what the odds makers say, but I have to think that. That's a favorite in this category. And an interesting thing about that screenplay is, well, it's a really good screenplay, but uh, it's based on a novel that came out uh, a decade ago. And in the novel, um, the main character, Timothy Chalamet's character, has a lot of first-person narration you see inside his head a lot, which is a thing that novels can do that Mm -hmm. movies often have a hard time doing. And so in order to translate that to a movie, it, it, it takes a lot of work, and they clearly did a pretty good job so i think that that's something that they might reward right that's actually the 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 skill of adapting the screenplay itself so which is you know something to be considered in this category rather than just oh you know it's it's good source material it's how did they actually make this work for the screen which is also kind of a case that could be made for the disaster artist of course i was just gonna say uh one thing to throw out there about this category too is for for people who are going to be watching with interest to see what 
potentially uncomfortable moments there could be um, because of this Oscars happening in the midst of all this sort of social upheaval with allegations of sexual harassment and assault. Um, you know, James Frank, uh, James, <laughs> James Franklin, James Franco, uh, you know, won the Golden Globe. And then I assume is not going to be at the Oscars probably because he uh, was, there were all these allegations about him that came out. He, this is, uh, you know, he's nominated for, he was responsible for like everything in this movie, but the screenplay. So right. it's interesting that this is a, this is an award that movie could win without uh, him having to be a part of it. Um, and right. it's also and, a movie about movies, which the Oscars always love. Right. They, but they also love sidestepping uh, controversy whenever they can. Um, and, and now, but talk about adapting some interesting source material, even though I haven't read the disaster artist, which was, uh, written by, uh, Greg, uh, Sestero, one of the cast members of the room. I imagine that it wasn't a super easy thing to turn into a film, uh, nor was it an easy thing to turn into a book from a film the first time. So anyway, if they're going for a meta award, that one has a shot. <laughs> I suppose. Um, all right, let's let's talk about directors now. This is where things are starting to heat up. Uh, for best director this year, we've got Christopher Nolan for Dunkirk, Jordan Peele for Get Out, Greta Gerwig for Lady Bird, my boy Paul Thomas Anderson <laughs> for Phantom Thread, and Guillermo for The Shape of Water. Um, one of, I think it's, is it, Correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe 13 nominations for for The Shape of Water altogether. Yeah, I think something like that. 12 or 13. It got the most. I know. Of course, and of course, uh, this is big for Greta Gerwig, as yeah. Nancy you pointed out the other day. Yeah. So Greta Gerwig is the first uh, female director to be nominated in this category in eight years since Catherine Bigelow won for The Hurt Locker, and. She is only the fifth female director of all time to be nominated in this category. In 90 category. years. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Catherine Bigelow, of course, is the only one that's actually taken home the Oscar for it. So I would love to see Greta Gerwig take this home. I loved Lady Bird. I thought it was a really great movie. I thought the screenplay was great. I thought I think she's got a shot at that, too. But I'm not going to be shocked if she doesn't. I, I think Del Toro is going to probably take this one home for Shape of Water. And arguably, I thought Shape of Water was a beautiful film. I, I It's weird. Of course it's weird. But it's it really is, I think, one of the most beautiful films I've ever seen. Right. I, I think something in, with director that you it, – it's kind of the other side of the coin from Best Picture. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Best Picture, you're looking for something that's all around. But with director, you know, I think – Shape of Water has has a real shot here where it may not necessarily get the best picture because it's the most sort of unique look, I think. He cra- he's yeah. he's you know a craftsman. Yeah. Um production design is huge for him obviously. Uh you know character design, costuming and everything. So making all those pieces fit together uh, that's that's something. But uh, not only is Stephen Hale a bit of a Sorkin fanboy, I know that he's a Nolan guy as well. So maybe that's who he's pulling for. Well, so I, I this is a really interesting category because um, Guillermo del Toro, if he wins, will be. And I think even among people who don't love The Shape of Water, there's a sense that this is sort of a, a career achievement year for Guillermo del Toro that he sh- he should have trophies for making movies. So maybe this is a chance to give him one or multiple. Um, but what's interesting, I mean, this is Christopher Nolan's who I do love. Uh, it's his first nomination for directing, which is, uh, pretty amazing given, given, uh, some of his past work, Jordan Peele's obviously, and, and same with Greta Gerwig. And it would be Paul Thomas Anderson's first win. Although I, I, do, I wouldn't, predict him to win i certainly think he's deserving and i know you think that patrick but yeah i i would love to see christopher <laughs> nolan win i mean i think again going back to what i was saying earlier about kind of where my rooting interests come from with the oscars like as a movie fan as a fan of christopher nolan's movies like i know i'm going to get more christopher nolan movies and i'm happy about that and i think it'd be great if he got a trophy but i'd much i'd sort of rather see jordan peele or Greta gerwig get it if if only because that will boost them to keep, you know, making the kind of movies that they got to make that got them nominated here, if that makes sense. So I, I sort of, my rooting interest would sort of go that way. I mean, I think it'd be great to see Paul Thomas Anderson win, but, you know, there's also something romantic about him making all these wonderful movies and just <laughs> never getting the recognition he deserves. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, and that's like, that would give me, you know, more credence as a fan to be like, oh, he's un- unrecognized, even though, you know, like everybody knows he's like in- incredible. And I would say this is kind of one of those categories. There's a lot here 
where, you know, this or that is kind of a surprise or dark horse or whatever. But Best Director, I mean, these are all pretty outstanding movies, I think, all around. They're all uniquely directed. They're all, like, passion projects in one way or another, largely because these are either first-time directors who made, like, you know, swung for the fences and kind of nailed it, especially with, like, Get Out. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the same time, these are people who... You know, t- the, the ones who have been nominated, whether for Best Director or something else before, these are people who take years to to make movies. Paul Thomas Anderson famously, you know, researches for years at a time, whether it's There Will Be Blood or The Master or whatever it is, and then employs these, like, genius-level actors. And, you know, uh, he's, again, I think, you know, he and the Academy don't always love each other. Um, he's kind of had some things to say about the Oscars in the past that make me think that he's going to continue to be sort of, you know, not what I might call gray listed rather than blacklisted. Like, we'll give you your nomination, but you're, we're not giving you a trophy, <laughs> damn it. Uh, but Stephen Elliott, what do you like for this? It's a tough one because, um, you know, with Guillermo del Toro, Paul Thomas Anderson, Christopher Nolan, there's a sense, as Stephen the Hale, the other Stephen mentioned, like maybe there's some kind of lifetime achievement award for someone. I know that um, you know Pan's Labyrinth was a fantastic movie 15 years ago or whatever it was, and um, so some people think maybe Guillermo del Toro will win because of that. But honestly, I think this one's pretty much up in the air. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one to watch. And again, I mean, but, sorry, go ahead, Stephen. Hale. So I was just going to say one other thing I, I think is interesting throughout here, and maybe we can talk about this some of the acting categories if, if people have thoughts. But I mean. There are also some directors that I'm really bummed aren't on this list. Um, in particular, uh, Sean Baker for the Florida Project. Agreed. Uh, yes. And Woefully I mean, I would under nominated. I, I think. Yeah, I mean, I I would have loved to see D. Reese nominated. I, the, but the problem is, and it's it's a I guess it's a good thing. But I you know I'm not sure who I would replace on this list. Like I I think Dunkirk was an incredible movie, and I actually think it's probably underrated in terms of the direction because just in the sense that people people sort of automatically give credit to directing a big-scale war movie, but there were so many small things in that movie that I thought were incredible, too. Um, and, that, I mean, so I just... I'm not sure who I would take a nomination away from, but I do wish that I could give some to, uh, to more people. I mean, I thought the Florida Project was so just compelling and... and heartbreaking and beautifully directed and really interestingly directed. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, going back to what I said about Christopher Nolan, like Christopher Nolan is going to keep making Christopher Nolan movies. And I think they're going to be great. And we're going to keep getting war movies that are interesting every so often, but like a movie like the Florida project, I really want that movie and movies like it to keep being made. And I wish that it was getting more attention that would help that happen. Um, so I agree. I agree. And I think that is one that was kind of um, – Sean Baker, uh, you know, if anybody hasn't seen Tangerine, I believe it's still on Netflix. Just watch that immediately. That's his, you know, his last film before The Florida Project. Um, that that he just, made on an iPhone? He made on Am iPhones, right yeah, to keep the budget down and you would never, never, ever think it. He used uh, two trans actresses for his leads who were both just like beautifully, you know – their portrayals were perfect and just everything about it is kind of outstanding. And then the Florida project, you know, you have all these first time performers and uh, that one was really, you know, I actually voted for it as my favorite film of the year in our annual uh, film poll. Um, I expected to see more nominations for it, but well, it got one out of the categories we're discussing and we'll get to that in a second, but I do want to move on to performances. Um, Up next, we got best supporting actress, Um, Mary J. Blige in Mudbound. Uh, there's an interesting factoid about her I'll provide in a second. Uh, Allison Janney and I, Tanya, Leslie Manville and Phantom Thread, Laurie Metcalf and Lady Bird, and Octavia Spencer in The Shape of Water. Um, Mary J. Blige, Mudbound, uh, she, I believe, is the first performer in the 90 years of the Academy Awards to be nominated for both Best Song and uh, in an acting category in the same year. Um, the song that she wrote with Raphael Sadiq was for Mudbound as well. Um, that said, I don't think she's she's likely to get this one. I think it's cool that she was nominated. It's cool to see another nomination from Mudbound, which was one of my top five films of the year. But this one, I think lots of people are saying Alice and Janney. You're a big I, Tanya fan, right, Nancy? Yeah, and I, I'm i a big Alice and Janney fan, too, but sure. she was phenomenal in that movie. I understand why she's the front runner, and I don't often agree with who the front runner is, but in this case, I'm like, give her all the awards. Give her all the trophies. Um 
what's neat about Itania is that the the end of the movie, for those of you that haven't seen it, it's kind of shot documentary style, and it's based on actual um, clips of Tanya Harding and her all the people that are sort of involved in that whole situation. And so at the end of the film, they show you the real footage of Tanya Harding and Tanya Harding's mom, which is who Allison Janney plays, and it's like spot on. I mean, she just nailed it. And one thing for me with acting is that you kind of get a sense of what these actors are like in real life. And sometimes you see them in a role and they're great in a role, but you, you feel like, well, maybe this isn't much of a stretch. It's sort of who they are as a person. And I mean, Oct Octavia Spencer in, in Shape of Water was sort of that for me. I'm like, she was, you know, spunky and, and funny. And it, it kind of just seems like she was being Octavia Spencer. She was great in that movie. It's but... almost like Guillermo wrote it like, uh, this will be played by an Octavia Spencer Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But Allison Janney was so not Allison Janney in this role. And that's the thing. It was such a transformation. And it's that movie was so fun. It was such a fun character. I mean, in and a, and a really disturbing character in a lot of ways, but I just thought she nailed it. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I will say, um, on the Octavia Spencer note, I do wish that she would be cast in some slightly uh, more diverse roles, because it seems like we see her in a, a lot of similar roles. It's yeah. true. I would say that in 30 Rock, when she played a version of herself that <laughs> yeah. was kind of a takeoff on Tracy Morgan's character, that was a, <laughs> that was probably my favorite role yeah. of hers. <laughs> yeah. well, um, I think it's challenging, too, to play a real person. That's yeah. another part of the reason I think Allison Janney should take this. It's like it's one thing for you to come into a role as an actor and actress and to interpret it the way that you would interpret it. But when you're playing a, a role of, a, of an actual living person that there's footage of. I mean, it's great in that regard because you can try to mimic, but you're also having to try to mimic. You're trying to like present this character as they would be. And so when you see the side-by-side -side clips of the actual um, footage of, of Tanya Harding's mom and Alice and Janie playing that role, it's, it's pretty remarkable to me. Yeah, one thing that struck me about the footage at the end of that movie was how close um, a lot of the actors yeah. were to their real-life counterpart. And they didn't have to do that because at this point, memories about that incident have faded and they could have gone really any direction, but it was it was spot on. Yeah. I'd, I'd drop a vote in, even though I think uh, Allison Janney is the favorite here and deservedly so. I, I'd, I'll just say that Laurie Metcalf, as somebody who's been like a character actress and a hardworking comedic actress for years and years, I mean, I'd love to see her get it. It would also, you know, make her uh, one of two Oscar-nominated Roseanne actors, because John Goodman, as we all know. Very nice. and, uh, and then also, but also Leslie Manville and Phantom Thread, um, because anybody who can kind of act opposite Daniel Day-Lewis and, like, not only, like, hold their own, but kind of steal a scene or two, yeah. that's, like, that deserves its, like, its own Day-Lewis award or something like that. She's pretty remarkable in that, but I would give everybody in that film an, uh, an award for everything they did. She was great <laughs> in that. I agree. Uh, what do you think, Hale? I just just two quick things. One, Octavia Spencer is an Auburn grad, so war and eagle there. And uh, I not to keep banging on about things that weren't nominated, but I don't understand how Brooklyn Prince is not nominated from the Florida Project. And in this case, I actually do know who I would replace her with, and it, it's not. It's a movie I love, but I just I don't think Mary J. Blige uh, is the best performance for for being the only actor nominated for mudbound she's in my opinion is not the best performance in that movie and brooklyn prince is seven years old and basically had to carry the florida project i mean she has the most lines in that movie and she's incredible and, and who doesn't love like give, having a little child you know at these award shows it's always great did you I see the felt, footage of understand. her at the earlier award show where she was yes messing around yes was it like Golden Globes or BAFTAs or something? Something. I can't remember which one, but there, there was some funny footage of her dancing around yeah, on the so, red carpet. Yeah, we all we all Like loved, it would have uh, been a win for everyone. We all love the Jodie Foster style, like, uh, you know, Haley Joel Osment youth, uh, you know, who will, like, honestly, that could be career ruining, though. So maybe it's for the best. Yeah, get a that's nomination. true. That, honest, that's a great point. I it's mean, like, what, are you going to be in a Disney Channel original now? Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, okay, let's move on to supporting actor. Um, this one... Um, pretty interesting field, and I believe the only acting field that has more than one nominee from the same film. Huh. Uh, the nominees in this <laughs> one are... favorite <laughs> I'm, I'm going to blow my top here. Uh, Willem Dafoe in The Florida Project, which is the only major nomination that film got, unfortunately. Woody Harrelson in Three Billboards. Richard Jenkins in The Shape of Water. Christopher Plummer in All the Money in the World. And Sam Rockwell in Three Billboards. 
Let me just, okay, <laughs> listen. I did not care for Three Billboards. I think it's kind of, it, we all remember what happened when Crash won Best Picture years ago. Try rewatching Crash now and, like, see if you can either, like, stay awake or not laugh. I mean, these, like, th- this film is kind of feels like Hollywood giving itself a pat on the back. That said, Sam Rockwell and Woody Harrelson, both very, very good actors who are very good in the film, um, both of whom have deserved the award for other films they've been in. Off the top of my head, Sam Rockwell in Moon and Woody Harrelson in, I don't know, No Country for Old Men. That said, um, you know, this one looks like it could go to Willem Dafoe. He's kind of, he and uh, he and Rockwell are sort of the front runners in this field. And honestly, I'd be happy to see any of the five of these guys get an Oscar. Um, I think they just kind of gave Christopher Plummer the the nod because he stepped in for Kevin Spacey on short notice, and they're just like, hey, you know, thanks for doing well, some so here's, on that one. Here's, here's what I think is interesting about that, though. I mean, I I think Willem Dafoe should win this. Um, I but. Th- I think an interesting case, I mean, this isn't how people vote on Oscars, I'm pretty sure, but there's a really interesting case for giving it to Christopher Plummer. So a few a few years ago when Peyton Manning was quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts, he got injured and missed the whole season and the Colts were terrible. And there was this whole discussion about, well, shouldn't he win the MVP because don't we just now don't we see <laughs> that, that he actually was the most valuable player they can't do without him. I mean, in a sense, there's like a sort of argument to be made that Christopher Plummer had the hardest acting job of the year. He had to come in like out of nowhere and re and reshoot a film, uh, you know, in what a, a week or a couple of weeks or something. Um, and so it's possible that he should get some kind of like honorable mention or, uh, you know, and, and unless some awful allegation comes out about him and then I guess that will <laughs> mess that up. But he did, he did have quite a hard gig, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. What do you, who do you like here, Nancy? I don't have super strong feelings about this category, to be yeah. honest. I well, mean, yeah. I mean, Richard Jenkins is actually one of those kind of character actors he's who's great. pretty, yeah. who's pretty, you know, undersung. And I would, mm-hmm. it'd be nice to see him get a trophy. Yeah. Um, really, you know, all these guys are accomplished. All these guys are good. Stephen Elliott, what do you like? Well, I'd love to see Willem Dafoe win, but I, I, I wonder if those of us who've seen it and love that movie so much are maybe like. Just hoping that it's that he's right. it's going to be him, just so that they'll win that one award. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree that Woody Harrelson and Sam Rockwell were fantastic, but kind of agree with you on the overall assessment of the film. Um, I don't know. I I could see Christopher Plummer getting the nod for kind of the things that Hale said. Right. It's kind of like we were talking about with adapted screenplay. If we're actually talking about the work of it, the craftsmanship of it, it's like, well, Christopher Plummer did come in and apply his immense expertise to like formulating this character another real world person you know he's playing an actual person yeah and banged it out in a week or two weeks and did a good job so doesn't that earn something that well, said i mean willem dafoe just you know for if we're talking body of work you know what isn't that guy great in well and also christopher Plummer. i mean i have not seen all the money in the world and i don't plan to but uh i saw but give him trailer, an award <laughs> but i saw the trailer with kevin spacey and then i saw it with Christopher Plummer, and I don't know why Kevin Spacey was ever cast in that movie to begin with. It's like, I mean, Christopher Plummer must have had an, uh, some sort of conflict because it, the choice is Kevin Spacey with like 10 pounds of makeup on his face, or Christopher Plummer who just looks like an actual old guy who's rich. Like, I don't know why he wasn't, he must have been their first choice to begin with. So, uh, it's a good thing that that swap was made regardless, but yeah, so it sounds like we're all a little bit ambivalent on uh, on supporting actor. Let's let's look at lead actress. Uh, who we have up for lead actress are Sally Hawkins in Shape of Water, Frances McDormand in Three Billboards, Margot Robbie in I Tanya, Saoirse Ronan, I think I said her name correctly, in Lady yep. Bird, and Meryl Streep in The Post. And I mean, this one, you know, these are all stunners. Every, everybody in this is incredible. Um, Frances McDormand won in 97 for Fargo, which is literally one of my favorite performances in a film ever. Yeah, th- this one, she did a good job, but I think she was given a lot of lines. <laughs> but that, did you like this movie? <laughs> uh, well, you know, I've, I've got thoughts on that. That said, I mean, she's the favorite here, and I'm never going to be upset about Frances McDormand getting an award. That said, you know, three of the other five nominees, I believe, are first-time nominees. Um, and then you've got... Meryl Streep. Uh, Meryl Streep. So, you know. <laughs> Which you know everybody's freaking out that they're in this category with Meryl Streep. Although right. I will say that 
I would actually be surprised if Meryl Streep takes this home. I didn't, I didn't love her performance in the post. I mean, it's a good movie. She's Meryl Streep, so it's she's fine. always going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Well, look, the thing to remember is that Meryl Streep almost always loses. It's just that she's nominated every year. And in fact, there there is a great, this is all I'll say about this category, there's a great uh, Vanity Fair piece, I think. I want to say it's Vanity Fair. Uh, they, they, they have gifts of Meryl Streep losing every Oscar that she's lost <laughs> and her reactions. She's really great. She probably deserves an Oscar at <laughs> reacting to other people winning Oscars. Um, but yeah, I think probably Frances McDormand will win this. Although... Uh, I think it'd be cool to see Saoirse Ronan win. I agree. And I got to make a correction. I said it. Three of them, it's their first nomination. That's not right. It's three of them have not won before. Sally Hawkins and Saoirse Ronan have been nominated, uh, but did not win. Margot Robbie, this is her first nomination. Uh, I think probably of many to come. She's yeah. just extremely good. She and is. she's playing Queen Elizabeth in a movie coming up. We'll give her an Oscar for that, right? <laughs> sure. Absolutely. Mean, yeah, she'll, yeah, she'll win. You really can't go wrong, I think, in this category. I feel like it's solid all the way around. I'm not going to feel disappointed if they call any of these names. Um, I think you're right that Frances McDormand will probably take it, but I thought Sally Hawkins was phenomenal in Shape of Water. I mean, Margot Robbie, I was so impressed with, again, to just sing some praises for I, Tanya. It was like, I remember when I first heard that Margot Robbie was going to be playing Tanya Harding, and I was like, okay, uh, Margot Robbie, the, like, drop-dead, stunning, beautiful yeah, actor. Okay, cool. But, I mean, she really, she tackled that. She did a great job in that role. Uh, Saoirse Ronan is, like, I think she's flawless. I think she's perfect. And she did a really great job, too. So, And then Meryl Streep. I mean, Meryl, honestly, I'm like, which is shocking to say, but I, I think Meryl's maybe my least favorite on wow, this Wow, how do you like that? I love her, but, you Of course. Know, well, this would be her role. fourth win, and, again, we'll see her nominated yeah. again. Um. I will say of the dozen or Baker's dozen of nominations for Shape of Water, I, I would say that Sally Hawkins is probably the one that I would be most excited if they did win. I'd agree with that. Yeah, I would say her, she and uh, Michael Shannon, who unfortunately wasn't nominated for his performance. Uh, Michael Shannon, I think um, he's up there with Oscar Isaac for me personally as just like, oh, these are going to be like the De Niro's of our generation as far as I'm concerned. I mean, Michael Shannon, um, you know, he's saved multiple films I've seen, you know. Um, I had nightmares about Michael Shannon's performance. Yeah, and his <laughs> interplay with Sally Hawkins just as sort of this like massive malevolent presence was pretty great. It was cool to see them work with each other. Um, and, uh, let, okay, let's move along to who we got next. Uh, lead actor, I believe, is up next. Um I might butcher his last name. Help me out, Elliot, if I get it wrong. Timothy Chalamet. Chalamet and Call Me By Your Name. Daniel Day-Lewis and uh, Phantom Thread. Daniel Kaluuya in Get mm-hmm. Out. And Gary Oldman in Darkest Hour. Denzel Washington in Roman J. Israel Esquire. And I believe that's the only nomination that film fetched as well. Um, did not see Roman J. Israel. By all accounts, he's great in it. He's not many it. other people did either. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, now, Gary Oldman, I also have not seen Darkest Hour, but uh, he famously said uh, when doing promotion for the movie that he smoked $30,000 in cigars while filming and had to spend Christmas in the emergency room for stomach problems he was experiencing as a result. So maybe that deserves an award? I don't know. <laughs> I've seen I, we were talking about this earlier today that there's just been too much Winston Churchill for yeah. us lately. Yeah, well, you got the crown. You got John Lithgow in the crown. It was great. Winston. Yeah. Um, who I forget who played him in uh, in Glorious Bastards, but you know we've seen a lot of yeah. takes on Winston Churchill. <laughs> yeah. I, would say. I always kind of uh, chafe when they an actor gets praised for doing some kind of stunt where they gain a hundred pounds or lose a hundred pounds or something. It's like, yeah, that's your job. You have like yeah. full time trainers and dietitians, yeah. and right. I, I don't really praise people for that kind of. That kind of thing. But he well, was in the makeup chair for four hours a day, Stephen. I mean, he was getting paid a million dollars, too. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I totally agree with Stephen. And I also think, I mean, two things. One, there there's a, seems to me, a pretty clearly sexist um, thing at work with that, where men, actors were always hearing about what actors had to do for some role. You know, like, he really jumped off that cliff and whatever. Um, but, but, I mean, possibly I'm missing it, but I just don't feel like I'm hearing... Um, all these anecdotes about like, you know, what Margot Robbie did to get ready for I, Tanya. Um, and 
the other thing is you can always tell when these actors are really going for the Oscar, like they actually really want it because it makes you think of when Leo won for um, whatever that, what was that movie called? The Revenant. Um, you know, you just couldn't get on the internet without reading something about how hard it was for mm-hmm. him to make this movie. It was so difficult. Yeah. So I think Steven's really right. There's this, there's this like overbearing, uh, effort to make sure you know that this job was really difficult and it, it kind of turns me off too. I'm like, oh, you know, you did an impression of a guy like, and you're already how, British. He was in so much so. discomfort though, Stephen. <laughs> it's so uncomfortable, this poor uh, millionaire. And yep. that's, I mean, I love Gary Oldman. Who doesn't love Gary Oldman? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm, a, you know, not to sound predictable here, but Daniel Day-Lewis yeah. is just, I, I kind of feel like we live on a planet where, you know, there's one person who's best at each job, and as long as Daniel Day-Lewis is on the planet doing that job, and I guess this is maybe the last time, why don't you give it to him? Right. He just becomes whatever it is he becomes. He literally... Well, I was going to say, the crazy thing about Daniel Day-Lewis is he becomes, before every movie, he becomes the best person at the job that his character does. He <laughs> learned to make canoes from animal skins for Last of the Mohicans. <laughs> I mean, he, he, he actually became... Here we are, praising yeah, exactly. men for what they do for their roles. <laughs> I, 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 that is completely true and fair. But that said, the whole, the Gary Oldman, uh, you know... Smoking work, cigars. Smoking cigars and sitting in a makeup chair <laughs> is a little different from Daniel Day-Lewis literally getting a job with the New York Ballet, at, you know making dresses yeah. for months before the performance. So, you know, that's, I feel like he's not even doing it for the acting part of it. He just takes these roles that Paul Thomas Anderson writes like, uh, well, I would like to know what it's like to be an oil man. Ellie, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do you think? I don't think Timothy Chalamet is going to win, but mm-hmm. I, I do want to say a couple of things about his performance. One, he had like the best year you could imagine for a 22-year-old actor. He was also in Lady Bird, and he was in Hostiles, which came out this year, but I guess they probably filmed last year. So he really had, for a new a person new to the scene, had a pretty phenomenal year. And like I was saying mm-hmm. about the at the adapted screenplay, a huge part of how they were able to convey that um, interiority in the in the novel was through his acting performance. And I think he did a phenomenal job. Yeah, and he was hella good in uh, Lady Bird as he well. Was, yeah. To to quote his character. <laughs> yeah. Also, I, you know, I don't want to skip Daniel. Uh, I, I'll, I well, I was just yeah, I was name, just gonna but, bring yeah. him up too. Go ahead, Hale. Well, I, 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 just quickly, I mean, I almost think that because that movie turned into such a cultural phenomenon, uh, understandably so, that his performance got overlooked a little bit. Um, and there's, like, some of the nuances of it. I mean, there are just scenes with him where just his face has to do so much work that I mm-hmm. think has been really underrated. Um, I, I, I don't think I'd... Pre- you know, I wouldn't bet on him winning this category, but I think if he did, it would be totally defensible. But really Daniel Day learned, Lewis learned to sew. <laughs> I'm really excited to see where Daniel Kaluuya's career goes because he's so young. I agree, and and he was his part wasn't huge in Black Panther, but he was in that, and he was very good. Mm-hmm. It's sort of a secondary uh, villain sort of element to it. And again, yeah, like in the the sunken place, I believe it is in Get Out. Yeah. I mean, the, the, like you said, Stephen, the work he has to do just with his face. And, um, yeah, I, th- I, I, I agree that he, you know, nowhere to go, but up and he's, he's pretty phenomenal in that one. But and also if, if we're ever giving out awards for British actors who you'd be most shocked to find out are British, right. he's, he may win it because when I first, saw him give an interview I, I thought he was it was a gag like <laughs> i mean uh i'd so. say that with saoirse ronan as well though i believe she's irish, she's irish rather yeah. than british yeah but, um uh yeah and and actually well yeah and gary oldman could have won for uh fifth element again if we're talking about british actors doing american accents that flawless southern accent yeah um, the, other, the only the other thing i'll just add is that i think denzel washington was so upset by losing um I guess it was last year when he was up for Fences, which was amazing, and oh, he, yes. I think, should have won for. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, that he, like, I mean, possibly it's because that he, he knows he just got this nomination because Denzel is, generally speaking, awesome. But, yeah, it, it seems like he doesn't care about this year, whereas last year he actually was, like, on the circuit trying to win that award. Yeah, campaigning. And I believe uh, he, he lost to Casey Affleck. Yeah, that right. Oof. Yeah, that one stings for the Academy. I would think <laughs> it does. Uh, although that, I mean, that was a great performance. But yeah, it has sure. not. 
it, it's it's never good when when you give someone an award and they're not welcome at the ceremony the next year. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's been so. he, you know because uh, I think eventually they would uh, present the nominees for, for best actress mm-hmm. just as with supporting. Right. Um, and okay, let's let's move on to the big one, best picture for which we have I believe it's nine nominees this year. Call Me by Your Name, Darkest Hour, Dunkirk, Get Out, Lady Bird. Phantom Thread, The Post, The Shape of Water, and Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Um, Is it Missouri or Missouri? Oh, it's Missouri. (laughs) (laughs) You know, know, heartland feature about how a racist cop is somehow good. I just love it. Um, That said, I think... I think the thrill, as you pointed out about Martin McDonough, I mean, he's a playwright. He's done a lot of, you know, great work in the past. I think it's a little bit telling that they put him up for, um, that they put him up for Best Picture, but not director. I think that that film was scattershot. It was a mess. There were certain elements that you're like, Peter Dinklage is here now? Um, that's, and his only role was for someone to make fun of him for being short. He was there to be made fun of and to kind of sort of be an alibi for Francis McDormand at one point. Um, again, Francis McDormand incredible in it, but I mean, there's a couple of lines in that film that were, went beyond cringing to just kind of, I was a bit shocked they even made made it past the first round of script edits. Uh, the final argument between Frances McDormand's character and her daughter being the main one. Uh, I won't spoil that. <laughs> and also, I just don't want to say it into a microphone. Um, but I think for this one, I think... I actually, you know, I might surprise you guys and not say Phantom Thread, only because I think Dunkirk, just by sheer... Uh, just there you go. <laughs> I think you. I think you got to be finally hail. I mean, honestly, Christopher <laughs> Nolan. This feels like the film he's been working toward for years now. It was a triumph. I mean, he did something with narrative in that movie that you don't see in a lot of war films. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he's both an actor's director and uh, you know a writer's director. I, I just think that was all around an incredible film. That said, I think everybody knows the Academy has thrown a lot of awards at World War II fi- films over the years. It's Seems like it might go to the Shape of Water. What do you guys think? I think it's going to go to Shape of Water. There are several on this list that I would be thrilled um, to see win. Lady Bird, chief among them, but I would be shocked if it does not go to Shape of Water, and it and deservedly so. Again, I think it was just a beautiful, beautiful film. I think it was clever and it was creative and it was so original and unique and thoughtful and striking and kind of everything you want in a Best Picture. So. I think they're going to walk away with it. Stephen Elliott, if you had to pick what you want versus what you think will get it. Um, that's tough. I think that if I could pick what I want, it would be Get Out mm-hmm. or Call Me By Your Name. I don't necessarily think those are going to win. Um, I, I'd, I'd like to see Shape of Water, I guess. I think that's got a good chance. Mm-hmm. As far as the ones that have the best shot. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I mean, if it's if it comes down to a, you know, a duke out between the shape of water and three billboards, just like, please be shape of water. Uh, Stephen Hale, what about you? You're, you're Dunkirk all the way, I assume. Uh, you know, I I would there's a lot of these that I would be fine to see win. I mean, I would I would be really excited to see Dunkirk win. And I think the way you put it is is right. That's the case for it. That just sort of as an all around thing it's it, it it seems like a best picture movie in a lot of other years like i think it would it would it really seem that way i do think it's probably christopher nolan's best movie or as as good as he gets um or has gotten uh i mean the dream is for for like you know uh three billboards to be announced and then it'd be wrong and turned out it's get out like last year um, <laughs> i would but, love to see uh, a repeat of last year yeah um, but yeah, I mean, one question I was going to ask you guys, if, if I may, and something we talked about earlier off Mike, is, um, this, this, uh, this idea about kind of like thinking about what movies will actually stay with you, um, or how you, how you imagine you'll feel about these movies later. I'm looking at this list and trying to figure out kind of, you know, four or five years from now, like what movie will I still well, I say like, oh, that, yeah, I, that movie really affected me. Or I really, I really cared about that movie. Um, and what movie will just, you know, there's this great Twitter account that tweets out movies that got Oscar buzz that you don't remember got Oscar buzz. And some of these, I think, will be like that. Like, um, 
I'm trying to look at these and see. I mean, I think Get Out is one of those ones that was such a cultural phenomenon that it doesn't have to win this for it two years from now for it to be a thing, you know? Whereas if, like, The Shape of Water or Three Billboards wins, like, I don't know. Are there people who just love those movies? Like, they just all out love those movies? I don't know. So... I think you get some of that with The Shape of Water. There's a lot of Guillermo del Toro sort of super fans that have wanted yeah. to see him on a higher plane for a long time, and that's fair. People, also people kind of has... love fish sex. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> there is a part where, yes, yeah, Sally Hawkins pantomimes what the fish sex is like, and I, that, it'd be nice to see a best film have that element in it. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, it also is kind of a, a classic film lover's film. There's a lot of, you know, from Creatures of the Black... Uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon to, mm-hmm. you know, any number. She lives above, you know, an old uh, art house theater. And it, it just kind of has that loving mm-hmm. gaze at, at movies, which, of course, the Academy, you know, the most navel-gazy of all <laughs> industries. Second you know. after journalism. <laughs> that's right. Which well, in the post, yeah, we get both of. <laughs> that's right. You get both with the post. But that said, we had Spotlight uh, a couple years ago. And Spielberg, you know, always a master, but he kind of, this was kind of a rush job for him, honestly. Um, it sort he, of surprises me, honestly, that it was nominated. I mean, every single famous person in the world was in that movie, I think. Like, every time a new character would come on the screen, it's like, oh, <laughs> it's, you know, Bob Odenkirk now. Yeah, and David Cross and Bob David Odenkirk. Cross, yeah, Why exactly. not? That's pretty sure, funny, let's right? throw him in there. Yeah. Um, and so I just kept being amazed at the cast. I mean, you've got Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep to start you off so you're already in a good place but then everyone just kept coming in but it was I mean we are journalists so we should love it but it was it was pretty cheesy I thought in terms of like we're just mm-hmm. bringing the news to the people like we're right. just you know. I think we've already seen that story told uh, and told better yeah. yeah it's a poor man's all the president's men there you go yeah well and also yeah I mean I want to see I mean I you know I know there's a lot of people who have been making fun of Times reporters for their how bad they've been at hiding their bitterness over this movie but i really do if i want to if there's a pentagon papers movie i think i want it to be about the new york times like i i just the whole the whole thing was a little bizarre to me um and and i i am sort of surprised that it didn't manage to take it didn't manage to like capitalize on the fact that uh, a lot of sort of cultural elites right now are very happy to celebrate like journalism and fighting against the president and stuff so i seemed like it really missed an opportunity (laughs) to cash in on that but it was an odd choice of a story because it turns out i learned this in the movie daniel ellsberg was just sending out the pentagon papers to everyone he could find an address for so it was like they were like oh we got to catch up to the times and one guy in the newsroom was like oh i'll call like i'll call up my friend who works with ellsberg and then five minutes later they got the pentagon papers (laughs) (laughs) so it could have been a seven minute short (laughs) i also want to point out the fact that you called a spielberg movie the poor man's all the presidents (laughs) which i absolutely love but yeah it did you know it's a wig and accents uh kind of move it's uh what, what was the uh david o russell movie that got all the love a few years ago uh American Hustle is that what is what am I thinking? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, factory. Yeah, I don't care how many A-listers you put in a wig, and you know how many times Christian Bale puts on like seventeen pounds. It's like <laughs> it still looks like a Saturday Night Live sketch to me. I'm how sorry. many yeah. cigarettes are smoked inside? <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah, and I'll, again with Spotlight winning a few years ago, I know that the Academy likes to touch on you know hot button things, and they like to you know give a wink to whatever industry it is in whatever year. But I, I feel like that one's just kind of there because it's like, well, it's got Meryl and Tom and Steven. We, we got to, yeah. you know, they make so much money for us. What are we going to do? Not I nominate know. them. Um, I think if, if we're, if something, you know, I agree that if it's going to be something that um, has cultural relevance and quality, I'm kind of in it for get out. You also don't see a lot. It's kind of loosely, we can call it a horror film. You don't see that in best picture ever. I think right. it just kind of be, ballsy and also cool to you don't see, see it in win. any category yeah. really that's true um yeah, yeah i love to get out when and uh, the other the other exciting hypothetical to think about is i mean ladybird winning would basically be like when arcade fire won the grammy a few years <laughs> back you know it's like every every sort of like white person our age was like wait what <laughs> me <laughs> um not not that we're struggling for representation in the culture, but you get my point. It's like it it you know, but it's one of those sort of indie movies would be pretty exciting to see it actually get win on like that big of a stage. 
Um, and I do think it would, it's a it's a really worthy film. But. And it is set uh, in 2003, the, which was my senior year. I remember these Dave Matthews moments on a trampoline <laughs> in the backyard. Yeah. You know, like I'm not going to be disappointed by almost all of the. If anything wins in this category, yeah. aside from one film, I, I don't think I'll be disappointed. <laughs> and that would be Phantom Thread. I'm just kidding. Um, okay, well there you have it. That's that's kind of our picks for the Oscars that should take place. Uh, on Sunday, we didn't go through certain categories. I mean, I think best an animated feature pretty much has to go to Coco, which honestly was a very good movie, wouldn't you say so, Elliot? Oh, I'm a big fan. He big loved fan. Coco. Big fan. I said yeah. Coco was probably better than at least three of the best picture nominees. I like that. Which three? Which well, three billboards and the post definitely. Okay. I haven't seen Darkest Hour, but I'll just go ahead and choose. <laughs> Pixar over Spielberg is. Yeah. What we're going with. That's right. Okay. Well, there you have it. I mean, I think that's all our picks. Did we leave anything out, you guys? We didn't, but I was going to say you should join us at the Belcourt Theater. That's where Patrick and I are going to be watching the Oscars on Sunday. That's right. Drink in hand. I think you're kind of there in a work capacity, but I'm just there. <laughs> to get to, drunk to, and watch the Oscars. That's Yeah. That's my move. Uh, so whether you're joining us at the Belcourt, which you should, I believe there are tickets still available, or whether you're watching from home, uh, you know, thumbs up for everything but three billboards. <laughs> Stephen Hale, any parting words? Uh, I my only parting words are this is the first, you were mentioning other categories. This is the first year that I feel strongly about um, like sound editing, uh, which I think should go to Dunkirk. Um, there is a scene in that movie where, for one thing, it's the best use of silence I've ever seen in a movie. There's also scenes in that movie where you're inside the cockpit of these fighter jets and you can kind of hear the mechanics creaking as they're like turning and stuff. I just, I've never been in a movie before and been thinking in the moment, wow, they really did a great job editing this sound. So <laughs> I would agree. I yeah. hope it wins that. That's one of the few films I've been. To. I, I my hearing's pretty much shot from years of rock shows and drumming, drumming and things. But that was one of the few films I've ever been in where I felt shaken up by the sound. I mean, and yeah, I don't, I mean, I, I don't was, mean that in a yeah. bad way. I just meant, you know, it kind of was an experience in and of itself. Here's a testament to the movie going experience. I didn't watch that movie until it came out on rental, mm-hmm. and I fell asleep during it. Well, there you have it. <laughs> Get this wow. man in a theater. It's Her- back in the theater, isn't it? Aren't they playing it some? I think they were playing it this week. Well, Harry Styles alone on the big screen is enough of a reason for me to go check it out again. Hey, yeah. listen, Harry Styles impressed me. He wasn't bad in it. He was not bad in it. We're yeah. getting off the rails. All right. That sounds like that'll about do it for us. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll see you again next week. <laughs>